will never get attacked because we're too small. We make clothing, who would attack us? Compared to other companies, our revenues aren't huge, so no one would want to attack us. Those are just some of the comments I have heard over the years from company leaders who thought cybersecurity was just an added expense that wouldn't help them in any way. The problem is, they're wrong. We have written stories about companies, big and small, in non-critical industries that have suffered from cyber attacks. It's really simple. You know, bad guys want to get in the easiest way possible, and so they can get what they want, and then want an easy way out. Hello, my name is Greg Hale, and I'm the editor and founder of Industrial Safety and Security Source, or ISSSource.com, and welcome to our Today with ISS Source podcast. My guest today is Nasir Mun, a Senior Director, Commercial Global Cybersecurity Services at Schneider Electric. And we're going to talk about how critical is cybersecurity in a non-critical industry. Nasir, welcome, and thanks for taking the time today. Thanks, Greg, and thanks for inviting me in. I would uh, love to talk to you about cybersecurity and looking forward to have a chat with you. Great. And, well, I'm going to start off by asking, um, how do you define uh, critical infrastructure? Infrastructure, critical infrastructure, the classical uh, explanation of that has been, uh, you know, what part of infrastructure uh, become necessary across from a government level, from a city municipal level, is something that if something were to happen to that, that it would create a disruption in a life of people, in the life of operations, in the life of uh, any activities that are going on and become a disruption. But besides, uh, you know, calling something critical infrastructure, even if you narrow it down and take it to a more micro level instead of a macro level, Within an operation, even if you are you know, having a clear manufacturing process, a continuous process, or any of those facilities, there are still elements within those operations that are critical in the sense that if something were to happen to those operations or if there was any disruption, that it would disrupt the entire operation. So critical infrastructure can be described on a macro level which is a different uh, description of critical infrastructure but also on a micro level where you could nail the criticality of any of the operations as uh, critical to the entire enterprise so well with that in mind i mean you know how can a company you know they could be making buttons you know i mean it's not that's not a critical infrastructure but as you say there is a critical component to that organization. How would they, what do they need to know and how would they uh, be able to address uh, dealing with an attack on that kind of system? So when you talk about something like, like the example you gave that they are making buttons, but within that operation to make buttons, from a business perspective, there are certain elements that are critical. And those could be any of those operational lines, even if it's an assembly line, even if it's a, a molding line, or if, even if it's, in, it's a getting a packaging line, for that matter, any one of those could be very critical from it, that business's perspective. That if something were to happen to that part of the business, that entire chain would stop, that they wouldn't get the production out and would critically impact the business continuity. So even within that part, there are certain critical elements. For example, when we talked about the larger macro level, critical infrastructure is your electricity generation, power distribution. 
When you get down to that button manufacturer, that same critical infrastructure on a micro level is their electricity supply. It's their power management. It's their air handling unit. So within the context of that business, those are critical infrastructure, albeit at a micro level. So they need to understand that those things are critical to run the business continuously. All right. In this era of, uh, you know, stronger work from home environment, you know, with the COVID incidents, how may that, and, and which may stay that way for a while, I mean, how do companies protect against these systems where they used to be able to, you know, when they're working in the office, so that's one thing, but now when they have people working from home, come, you know, dialing in via their home network or plugging in through their home network, how are these companies able to um, protect against that kind of thing? And conversely, how can users help or the workers that are working at home, how can they protect the company against any kinds of potential attacks? So uh, let's take your example of, a, of that small enterprise again, you know, that button manufacturing. There are certain processes that go on. Uh, there is a certain methodology of how things are done, and there are certain critical elements within that. And they have, usually if the factory were running, they had people sitting in, on their desk or on the plant floor doing certain activities, uh, working with these, what we describe as OT assets. These are the industrial production units or machines that are working, which are now, I mean, in, in the past, these used to be the uh, you know, electrically operated, pneumatically controlled sort of things, and then they went into electronics. So now these are mainly connected systems so so that your packaging line knows what is coming from the back end, how many of those buttons are being molded, what's happening. So that's whole chain. There is communication going in there. And all of that is very critical communication. With the COVID impact, with the people having to work from home, there are times when that you have very critical people, senior people rather, who cannot now go to the plant and be there and still manage to run that operation. And you have to find a figure out a way for them to be at home, but still manage to run the business so that there is continuity. For that, they have to figure out how do they pass a command? How does an operator sit at home, but still be able to get down to the level of that OT asset? that machine and program it and make sure that it's running and be able to monitor that. And they have to protect that entire link from that home, from that laptop that that operator is working on all the way through to that plant floor. And that's where they have to protect it. They have to make sure that that data is protected, any command coming in, any transfer of instruction coming from there to the floor, that those are protected. Now, I'd like to take you back to the previous question again a little bit. If it's a critical infrastructure, we need to ensure that it's protected because now these are all connected. We need to ensure that only people who are authorized to work on those assets are the only ones who are working on it. So we have to ensure that there is a level of authentication. The companies have to be sure that authorization, that authentication is in place, that only the right people are getting in there. The other way that they have to ensure that all of those assets are protected, you know, what do they need to know? They need to know that the machines that are operating, these are all electronic, sharing data, passing information bit by bit across that entire chain. They need to ensure that those machines are protected against known vulnerabilities. All these uh, major vendors, you know, whose 
operating system runs on electronic system. They come out with regular updates to address vulnerabilities. These are called patches. They come out with those patches. So any operation, be it button manufacturer, be it a large uh, petrochemical complex, they have to ensure that all of these machines, their operating systems are patched up. So that's another thing that those, uh, those operators need to know, whether that business is large or small. They need to ensure, because in cybersecurity, it's no longer if you get attacked. It's more of the philosophy is when you get attacked. So they need to ensure that they segment that network. They break that network up into enough pieces that if that when something does happen, all of that is contained. So it's very important for them to know that whether their operation, again, is as critical as a petrochemical complex or a small manufacturing operation. They need to know how they operate and they back up their data consistently. So they need to know all of these and they need to put that in place. And uh, last but not least, antivirus. There are malwares uh, that are detected. There are malwares that are coming out at such an exceptional rate that cybersecurity is no longer just something static. It's, it's a journey. It's a constant battle to keep yourself protected. So these operations need to know all of that. And when you have to now pass on instructions from your operators sitting at home because of the conditions there are, it just adds an additional complexity to the whole thing. You know, in your travels around um, to various customers, big and small, I mean, do you feel that um, these systems, the o- these OT systems, especially non-critical infrastructure industries, you feel they're ready for uh, this kind of challenge, or is this something that uh, they're kind of just existing? You see, ready, I think at this point would be a strong word, but the, the idea is that the, the realization is there now. Okay. People, it's not like, you know, oh, I'm a gap. You, know, you take two years, three years ago, five years ago, when you go talk to somebody, the usual answer is we used to be, oh, I don't need to worry about it. I'm a gap. I don't connect to anything. I don't connect anything with anything. So I don't need it. But now the realization has come that that's not the case. There's no such thing as air gapped anymore. You force the air gap now. So something is connected. And, and cybersecurity is not just limited to technology. It's not just the fact that, you know, what are the controls you have or how you're protecting. It has two more elements to it. It has the element of processes. How are your processes? How are you protecting them? As well as the most critical of the element, which is people. You can air gap everything and somebody would come in with a USB and just plug it into your system. Not necessarily with any malice intent, but it could just be inadvertently that I have this. I worked on it at my home. I brought it in and I just plugged it in. And that just that little thing, which would probably the intent was for the good that I worked on it. I did my homework. Now I, I want to come home, come to the come to work and put it and plug it in into the system. So no malified intent, no malice intended, nothing, but just an inadvertent mistake. But that would create a big thing. So the issue is, it's not that are they ready, but the realization is there. And more and more of these operations are going towards that direction. We've been hearing uh, more and more about ITOT convergence. And I have multiple questions within this question. But uh, are you seeing that becoming more of a reality these days? And if that is the case, are you seeing a more cohesive, holistic security mindset where organizations are thinking in more in terms of an entire security program 
for the company compared to just having security fall into this this silo mentality where they just focus on IT or OT or or building automation or the physical security side. I mean, are you seeing a, a more cohesive kind of program for security or is it, like I said, is it falling into that silo mentality? It depends. It depends on how much, uh, you know, what maturity level people have gotten within organizations. You can go in there and you can see people that are just like, hey, yep, IT is IT is protected. I'm good. Everything is good. There's no need OT. There's no need for uh, cybersecurity around OT. One case could be that way. Second could be, yes, OT is an issue, but I'm IT department. IT department takes care of this. OT department takes care of this. And those two shall never talk to each other. Then you have the more mature customers who have realized that you can't just separate that. Even if it's not a full convergence for uh, S per se, but there is still a connectivity. There is still a bridge between OT and IT, and those cybersecurities are coming up. The more advanced customers, they are realizing that. They come to the conclusion that I have the best, the most sophisticated protection system on my IT network. But when I go down to my IO ring, when I go down to my control network, I have zero visibility. And a lot of the availability, a lot of the solutions available, the, the lot of security operation centers, they've all been focused a lot on the IT part. They understand the IT protocol. They know what the, uh, what the traffic is going on the IT level. They can pick those things up. But when it comes to industrial protocol, they don't. So, but the realization is there. The realization has started. Now people have moving more and more towards this to take this holistic scope. So again, if the customers are more mature, they've discussed this, they've been working on this, they have come to the realization, they have convinced their people, they know what the impact could be to their business. Because if you look at if you look at our landscape in the last five or so years. The most critical element that's come out of this electronics revolution when things went from pneumatic to to all the microchip-based was data. So much data was generated. And then that data, uh, some smart person decided, let's monetize on that data. So now data is being monetized. But in, in order to do that, the data was flowing all over the place. So protecting that data has become critical. And that data goes from the OT shop floor all the way up to the boardroom. So all that entire chain, that entire value chain has to be secure. And I think as the customers get more mature, as they get more understanding, as they realize the criticality of it within their business, it's becoming more and more a holistic approach. Mm-hmm. You know, we all know critical infrastructure is, uh, I mean, they face attacks all the time, uh, you know, 24-7, uh, you know, every day of the year. But have you seen an increase in uh, in attacks or uh, cyber activity in these non-critical infrastructure uh, companies? Yes, and, and let me just uh, get back to this a little bit. Yes, we do see that, and the reason for that is the attack depends on the intent. You know, what is the intent of these attacks? When you look at critical infrastructure, the intent could be either you know commercial intent to get some commercial benefit out of it, or to just to cause disruption for whatever reason, political, you know, inter-country, inter, you know, whichever way the reasons are. But when you look at the commercial side of it, even if it's not critical infrastructure per se in, in a macro level, from a micro level, is ransomware. The commercial impact of those things, 
We see so much of that coming in day in, day out, that you see it across all industry. It doesn't have to be the larger, you know, electricity producers or, or large petrochemical plants or large infrastructure. They could be any business that could be disrupted. Their servers could be down, their billing could be down, their uh, entire CRM could be compromised. Their way that they do their purchasing, their supply chain could be compromised and could be could put a stop to their entire business until they pay a certain ransom. Mm-hmm. So that intent is a totally different one, and that could apply to anybody. Mm-hmm. So that has changed the things significantly. If you even look at the viruses and malware in the past, you know what would the viruses and malware do? You know, they'll shut you out of your system. It's more of an inconvenience. From inconvenience, it started becoming a safety issue when you take a very, very larger macro infrastructure. And then when you take down to commercial activity, to the industrial production, it became a commercial issue. People make money out of being hackers. And that could apply anywhere. That could apply to a car manufacturer. We all know the story of how uh, some large retailers, their data was gone. Uh, you know, everything was gone. It came down to a, a, a ransomware uh, impact. Banks could face it. Retail operators could face it. Mm-hmm. Car manufacturers could face it. You know, it could be anybody. Mm-hmm. Do you, um, you know, we always hear the advice, you know, don't pay the ransom, you know, the, the legal uh, law enforcement folks, they all say we never pay a ransom, uh, that kind of thing. I mean, not to name names, uh, unless you want to, but uh, have you heard of companies actually paying ransom? You could never be sure, but you always hear. There are always murmurs that this has happened or that has happened, uh, but never seen anything that somebody would come in and own up to it and say, yep, we did it. Mm-hmm. So, you hear murmurs, you hear whispers, but uh, again, the best advice would be, you know, protect yourself. Yeah. Don't even get to that point. Protect yourself. That is what is the key element here. Mm-hmm. We've reported on uh, the in the past on the serious lack of human resources when it comes to security. I mean, are you seeing any kind of commitment from these non-critical infrastructure companies to boost their cybersecurity programs? And how are they going about doing that? I mean, are they looking at outside solution providers or are they creating their own programs on their own? Or, or are they just paralyzed by the, you know, the onslaught of all this you know, security, um, I don't know, noise that's coming in about, uh, you know, we can't do this, you can't do that. I mean, and I realize that's kind of a general question, uh, but I mean, are you seeing like one aspect uh, kind of leaning or leading the pack over the others? Depends on the size of the operation. Some people are building their own programs. Uh, some people have multiple uh, manufacturing facilities, you know, large operations around the globe. They're building their own programs and then rolling them out and, and creating their own what they call service organization that are actually able to do and provide them cybersecurity. And then there are others that are looking for managed cybersecurity or managed security services providers. And that business is gaining. Uh, people are relying on, on others to be able to help them with that, that they do put the required controls on-premise and then somebody to be able to have that visibility to those to monitor them on a regular basis. So we see both level of those. There are people, uh, there are companies that are 
building up their own capability and programs. And there are companies that are relying on third-party resources to support them with that. There are very few and rare now in this day and time that are saying, oh, it doesn't exist. So the deniers are are very, very few. Okay? Everybody knows that it is an issue, that there has to be something done. How do they approach it uh, based on what level of operations there are? What, are the, what is the investment they want to make uh, to make sure that their operations are have no interruption, that there are no disruptions in, in their business? Are you seeing in this, um, you know, this more digital environment that we're we're living in and working in, that technology is going to play a stronger role in cybersecurity moving forward, whether it's critical or non-critical? I mean, it's all you know. We always talk about the 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 three-legged stool of people, process, and um, technology, but it seems like in this environment that technology seems to be um, kind of picking up a little bit more. Are you seeing that or is it still more of an even um, play between all three, the people process and technology? I, I think it's it's not even, but I would put more uh, on the people because technology moves fast. But that fast technology does nothing if people don't move along with that. If you don't uh-huh. put a, move along with that on how to use that technology, and if you don't have the proper processes and you follow them, it's not going to happen. You know, you can put in any type of authentication, and there were times when you know, for a long period of time, you would have an authentication, but your password would be password. Okay, username would be manager, and your password would be password, and it would happen. So, as even though there is an authentication technology, it's how people use it and what are the processes in place that, to use that. So, technology does move fast, but I think unless there is a process around how to use that technology and people are trained to follow that process to use that technology. The developed technology doesn't really bring any value to it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. So I think the three-legged stool still remains there. And and again, technology is also driven by the need of the people. You know, where is it going? What is it bringing to the people? And, And only technologies that do bring some value are the ones that are that become uh, successful or the ones stay in the game. Okay. Going forward, um, you know, their major cyber threats are only going to increase. I mean, you know, I, I think we can all agree on that. But do you believe cyber risk management is going to continue in uh, to climb in for boardrooms? I mean, they're gonna are they gonna come out and just say, you know, we've got to keep growing this, or else, you know, we're gonna be left behind. I think it is important, uh, and the value that cybersecurity brings in, if they have, like, you know, when you, if you mean by growth that the business is growing, I think cybersecurity does give them that platform that they ensure that they are secure, that they're not going to be disruptions. So that adds to their, uh, you know, growth strategy from a business perspective, and it's a very important element. If you remember correctly, uh, you know, you, you, you know safety as well as you know security. What safety used to be 20, 25 years ago, how it climbed into that boardroom conversation, that safety was important because not only did safety impact the operations continuously, not only was it a threat to their people, but even to their image. Safety used to be some incident were happened, the company would get hit, their image would be impacted. And that's what's happening with cybersecurity today as well. So it is there. It's already into that boardroom conversation. Uh, that are going on. 
what steps or best practices uh, should these non-critical industries conduct uh, to reduce or mitigate data breaches and um, any kind of cyber intrusions? The key element that needs to be the, the most important thing is for them to have visibility, you know, visibility on their network of what's going on there. That's a very key element that, you know, what's your level of traffic? How, what, what is your baseline? What should, what should be normal? And then have the capability to look at normal and be able to pick up anything that's abnormal, anything that's anomalous, any traffic that doesn't uh, conform to the regular uh, pattern, they should have that visibility. That's a very, very key element. Of course, that doesn't uh, preclude them from implementing the actual controls around there that make sure that they are cyber secure. And not only, again, not only the technical controls like authentication, uh, endpoint protection, backup, et cetera, segmentation, not only those, but that they have the right processes and the right governance controls as well. How is it going to be? How the authentication is actually going to work? What's the philosophy around patch management? How are the backups going to be kept? So all that governance, how are they going to manage third-party risk? How are they going to manage their supplies? If you talked about the button example, how are they going to make sure that they are managing their suppliers and that entire supply chain? Is that entire supply chain secure? How much of their factory is a smart factory? Who's talking to who? What's that traffic going on? So they have to put policies and procedures. They have to understand what their risks are. And then based on those risks, put governance control, how it's going to run, and actual technical controls using technologies that are available that give them not only that visibility, but the controls that are put in place. So that's, and if they can combine all of that into uh, one technology or one availability, which which this industry is moving towards, you know, it's, this is moving towards how do we get all of this together? How do we go? How does the so the customer doesn't have to go to the IT part for this or to OT for this or to go here, but be able to uh, to get all of this together? That one, they have the controls in place, governance as well as technical. They have the policies and procedures because those are basically the governance controls. And third, that their people, there is a clear deployment plan where their people are trained and they are constantly being, and they are, have the constant visibility to it. So they understand the policies and procedures in the governance, they put the technical controls, and then they have visibility over that control. And that's not where they stop. They keep monitoring it and they put in place a continuous improvement plan so that this uh, cybersecurity is not a static field. It's not a one and done. It is a journey. So they need to stay on top of it. So for those reasons, uh, the visibility, the controls, the constant training of their people is key. But what you said last is interesting because they um, do people actually get it uh, or does it have to be drummed into their heads uh, that cybersecurity isn't a project? It's, uh, it's an ongoing continuous kind of thing. I mean, do people, I mean, I would say, you know, talking about two, three, four, even five years ago, that, that was still something people didn't get. But I mean, are, do they understand that now that it's it's more of a continuous process? It is. They, they are. It's getting, It's the, the people are getting more and more mature. There's a lot more uh, 
education available around it. People have seen examples, they've seen use cases, uh, they've seen what's happening around in the industry. Uh, they do realize how quickly technology is moving. So it is moving in the right direction. Does everybody know and get it? Probably not. But more and more now are getting, like you said, you know, four years ago, more and more people would say, ah, nah, that's not my business. I'm just too small. Like, you know, the way you started, guys, right? was perfect. That's what was the standard conversation. Now, I'm air gap. I'm too small. Cybersecurity, who would want to breach me? Who would want to do this? But as you get along, you know, as you move on, people do get educated. And now it's, I think it's, it's, it's kind of flipped. More and more people are aware how far they want to go, how far they want to do. Again, it's it's always a journey. So. Yeah. Well, Nasser, I could probably go on for the next uh, couple of days asking you questions. <laughs> Cybersecurity is my passion too, guys. We can keep <laughs> on chatting and talking about it. I want to thank you uh, for taking the time today to chat, and I really appreciate it. So for Nasir, I'm Greg Hale saying, um, well, thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time.